I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. Welcome to Exploring the Prophetic. Our episode today is with someone I love to listen to so much, and you will too if you have not heard her already through Bethel Music. Her name is Stephanie Gretzinger. She's responsible for many of the most spiritual moments of worship in my life and also many people's lives who are listening right now. And if you don't know who she is, she is a wild, just unique vision of a person who knows how to tap into her heart in a really vulnerable way for the audience through live spontaneous moments, but also her songwriting is so excellent. Her new album is out now. You can get it. She's going to talk about that a little bit. But we did this uh, recording live in Redding, California, where we hosted, Bulls Ministries hosted an event there uh, for it called God Secrets, and where we did a word of knowledge seminar for the day, practicing words of knowledge. In the middle of the seminar, we actually had Stephanie share, uh, just do an interview for a while, and she shared some really new uh, and really fresh things about her life, some of the transitions they're in, some of the things they're doing. But her and her husband are just such awesome people. You're going to love their story. You're going to love uh, just her perspective, her intimacy with God, and how that plays into all these songs she's written and all this place that she's held in the spirit for the worship industry. And beyond that, she's there's a, her new album is not just playing worship. It's actually something that's really a crossover into being articulating a voice a spiritual voice, but a very natural spiritual voice for process and journey. So I want to invite you on the journey with Stephanie and I to join the conversation and listen in and really engage your heart because Stephanie is a heart person and she's going to be easy to go there with. And for some of you who are listening, I know it's going to be brand new ways of thinking about the same process of worship that maybe you've been in. So before we get there to the interview, let me share with you a resource we have for you. Hey, this is Sean Bowles and my wife and I, Sheree, have put together an e-course with eight different key topics on how to live a thriving marriage or live in a connected marriage. We've had to work on these things. Each one of them is hard work unless you really have an exceptional tool. And we've taken some of the psychological and therapy tools that are available right now to the world around us, but we've grounded them in deep theology and deep love. So I'm going to encourage you to grab hold of this, especially if you're newly married or if you're celebrating your 10-year anniversary this year. Either one, it's great to refresh yourselves with tools or to grab hold of those tools and actually go on your journey in marriage very intentionally. I invite you to visit bowlsministries.com, look under our e-courses, and you're going to see the Thriving Marriage e-course with Sean and Tree Bowles. So it's my pleasure to introduce to you, and most of you already know who she is, but we have Stephanie Gretzinger is coming right now. Now Let's stand up for her. (laughs) So I'm super excited about this because I, Shree and I have a YouTube playlist uh, we, we have Bethel music, so we're not doing anything illegal, right. no. but we, we can't make a playlist on there. So we have a YouTube playlist that's all Stephanie and plays in our house a lot. And it's just, and our daughters know you. This is oh. so cute about my they daughters. They me. Harper and Hartley, we played um, the video from your new CD, the first video that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, you can't turn off the light, shine from the inside. Mm-hmm. 
And we played this video for them, and Harper asked me, is she a real person? She thinks she's an angel. She's five, you know, she's like, she, and I said, she's a real person. She's like, how do you know she's a real person? And Sheree said, because we know her. And she's like, when do we get to meet her? And she goes, can you play the video again? And we played the video over and over, and they both were just in. They were, the three and five-year-old were just in. So you made a video for them. It was so sweet. And they were like, they just smiled from ear to ear because she's like, hi, guys. And they were like, she is a real person. <laughs> she's not just a living creature of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> what are the living creatures? Yeah, you know, some people, have, some people go, you're angelic. I think it's even beyond angelic. It's like a living creature status. You know, it's like yeah, some of the stuff you I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. So welcome to our event and welcome to Exploring the Prophetic. We're so glad you're here. So uh, I don't know. I just think of the history of, I don't know a lot about your background. I just know um, we have a lot of really close mutual friends. And I think of Sean Foyt. When Sean first told me about just your life, he's like, there's this woman in Reading, and when she does stuff, God always comes. And he's like, there's something like, like they'll lose if they don't have the Holy Spirit in the midst of their worship. This is before it's part of Bethel music. And he's like, and she holds it. She holds it there, and then it inspires everybody else to do it too. Like she, she creates moments with God. That, and so he was so inspired by you. And so then I started, that's when I started watching and hearing and seeing. And you came down and did an event with us. And we were so inspired. But tell us a little bit about now. Like what's going on now? Like how did, how, how did this worship thing, because you don't just worship. You actually encounter God and then we encounter God because of it. So how did that become you? Well, now, well, just for the tiniest bit of background, I grew up in a Nazarene church. I'm a little wow. Nazarene pastor's daughter. I had no idea. I know, right? God so is awesome. This is super normal. It's, it's super normal. No, I, um, I think maybe some of my, those encounters, I think, didn't always happen in church at first. Sure. So they had to happen at home. And it was kind of like, okay, if you're real, more than the God of my father and my mom, if you are an Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if you're my God too, then I need to know. I need to know that you're going to show up for me when I call on you, you know? And so I started calling, you know? Was worship always a catalyst of that, those moments, or was there other? No. Oh, okay. So I, there was just experiences with God. Yes. I didn't, I had no desire to be a leader in the worship world. Like I never, wow. it wasn't a thing. My mom was in music. She was a singer-songwriter. We lived in Nashville for a while, so she was brilliant. She was just so brilliant and good at everything. Musician. My dad was also a musician, but he did, like, deliverance ministry and stuff like that, which was, I mean, he was not the senior pastor of any of our churches. He was, like, the weird associate pastor that did all, <laughs> did all the other stuff, that dealt with all the demons, you know what I mean? Um, in the Nazarene church movement. In the That's Nazarene perfect. church. That's but it was so amazing because he's like, hey, I'm sick of seeing people go to the altar and get up and not be free, and come back wow. to it again over and over. And he said, either teach me how to set the captives free, or I'm leaving the church. Wow. And, and so as a family, we kind of went on this journey. So mom's doing worship, and dad's doing deliverance, and it was like it was all partnered, right? Like you, wow. it all went together, or it didn't. It was kind of amazing. And so I had parents who knew there was more, and like fought for it, and pressed through the religious mindsets that we always had. And um, yeah, so I mean, that, that was my upbringing, and Fast forward, I ended up doing that. I think I would just sing songs along with the choir. They were playing for me. I never really led it, at least wow. not that I understood. Yeah. I was leading, I guess, but I didn't know that. 
I was just singing the song that was planned for me and pouring my heart out, you know. And other than that, it was all in, you know, secret place. So what was the transition where you actually became a worship leader too? Um, here. It wasn't until I came to Reading. So I had, I had this um, ongoing dream as a seven-year-old. It started when I was like seven. It went till I was almost 11. Wow. About a, a hill lined with flags that went up to a building, and I could never see the name on the building, ever. Oh, wow. I never knew what it was. And I just was like, I would tell my parents, I would tell all their, like, prayer friends. Like, I hung out with the grown-ups and asked questions, like, and, like, hung out and talked about God. And then I'd go play with the teenagers, and then I'd come back, because I'm like, I just want to talk about God. And I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what this place is, but I think I'll go there one day. And so, I, you know Jerry Nicewander, hey? You remember the Nice Wonders? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was my young adult pastor at oh our little gosh. Nazarene church in Worcester, Ohio. Wow. No joke. And we had revival breakout in that little church, Jamie Galloway. Yes. So Jamie Galloway came when he was still Randy Clark's intern. So let me just describe. Give Jamie context. Galloway is Randy Clark's kind of main prophet of his movement. And he's a close friend of mine and is literally one of the most mystical, sees angels, Super but then mystical. stuff moves because he sees it. So he's not just one of those guys who says, I see something, but something happens yes. because of it. He's been doing this since he was like 17. Yeah. He's like 33 now. Yes. So he was invited to come to our young adults retreat like 15 years ago wow. or something. Before he and Emily were even married. Yeah. They were just engaged. And I happened to be engaged to our pastor's son at the time. Hey, yo. And, um, <laughs> and anyways, we... <laughs> now everybody wants to know what happened there. No, um, We'll do a marriage we'll, follow-up Yeah, <laughs> we'll get there later. So anyways, they, they came and it like... It broke out, and I'm listening to Jamie talk, and I'm like, my whole secret life makes sense. Wow. <laughs> you make, you make was a catalyst things for you. Mix. It was such a catalyst for me, and I was like, I never looked back. I don't even, I can't, something happened in that, in that time. And then he started coming to our main church services, so wow. we were there till like 3 or 4 in the morning, all of us. And it was like, we were so changed. I was never the same, and he started talking about this place called Reading, and then Jerry's like, well, we're going to move there. And I'm like, he's like, just come visit. And wow. we, we hit the hill to go up lined with flags. Oh, man. That must have been such a wild moment. Did you even go in the building for a while? or did you? What? Oh, I cried in the car. And they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, just give me a minute, you know? So cool. Wow. So fast forward, I hadn't really, I, I wasn't going to try out for, Haley and I were in the same um, class in school. And um, I wasn't going to try out for worship because I was like a ministry kid and I was like tired, kind of, kind of burnt out on just the being a yes girl. And, um, and, um, can you feel me? And so I had to come here to learn how to say no, you know, and, um, hallelujah. I'm still learning, but it's getting stronger. Your no must be as strong as your yes. yes. So, um, yeah. And I, uh, I ended up trying out for worship team just for school. It's like all I wanted to do. And um, just to be connected to the class, and I just felt like I couldn't get out of it. It was like, forget it, man. You try to hide in the back, and you'll get you'll end up in the front if that's what if that's what God's doing, it's, yeah. you know. So you seek the presence, you'll find the position. It's not the other way around. So it was like that's what, that's was, what happened. Aha moments, you know. <laughs> that's what happened. That's what yeah. happened. It was like I knew I needed this place so much, <laughs> and the Lord was like, "Yeah, but you have something to give too, you know." Wow. Yeah. So interesting. Wow. So when you were leading worship, did you feel more like 
did you find yourself in the song or does it was it off the song when the song could go off the page because I see you like in worship it's more now I see you doing the songs but like back then when I'd see you you were doing half and half almost like there's so much spontaneous that it felt like you that I found myself in the worship when you were in spontaneous moments more than in the songs and because I feel like you lead us into encounters because of that and then some of those become your songs later on so do you do you are you as comfortable in the song as you are in your own prophetic song Find another way to ask me that. So you're singing. Because um, to me, I feel like they're all the same. Ask me the same. Ask me again another. Yeah. I f- I, let's just pick one of the songs here. I can't think yeah. of any Bethel songs. If you're singing the song, is, does that feel more like an on-ramp into the moment in God? Or does that feel like the song, you find God in the song just as much? I, I think anything is an on-ramp. There you go. That's awesome. I think it's all up here. Yeah. And right here. So yeah. I, th- I think... Um, and I had to figure that out. I mean, I grew up in a decently religious environment. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had to figure out how to connect to God so I wouldn't just crush under the weight of something else. And that, that can happen anywhere. It's like yeah. if you're going to lead something, if you're led by the whole room and what you pick up on, you're, you're not leading anymore. I'm and thinking about, I want to say this in the midst of that because Heidi Baker said something just like that one time. We, were on, we went to the worst church I've ever been to, worship-wise. <laughs> oh, and she had traveled... 36 hours to get there. And it was a small church. And she had asked me to go. And it was like 170 people. It was really small. And, and the church was only 75 people. And it was an ethnic church of people who aren't from America singing in English in a way that they couldn't. And she gets on the floor as soon as she gets there. And she worshiped as if it was the best worship team we've ever yes. seen. And I was, I was out. I just couldn't do it. That's I was it. like, I'm just stuck. This is 13 years ago. And I go, I whispered to her, I go, how are you worshiping to this? This is the hardest environment I've ever been in in my life. And she goes, because they're not leading me in worship goddess. And I'm like, and I'm not a Christian, you know, so. (laughs) Right, right. And then I had an encounter with God, you know. It's so real, but the goal, the goal is to stay so connected that when you come in, you're not, you don't need it. Like the, the, my dream as a leader is that I can step back and nobody hears the sound of my voice, that they don't ever attach their encounter with God to me, yeah. that, that, they, that they've stayed connected at home, that it's really practical. They find out how they connect to God, and I'm, it's my job to open that up in the atmosphere so that, that I can invite them to, like they have a, you have a seat at the table, to invite them into something, not to drag them. Yeah. Not to jerk them into something, not to lose them prophetically, but to pastor the moment too and just give a little bit of context so that they go, oh, no, I can connect. I, I got this. And, and then I disappear. Wow. But not to God. I never wow. disappear to him. He's always, you know, yeah. I don't know if this is answering the question, but I think it's, it's not finding it once you get there. It's yeah. being connected before. Yes. It's an open song. Yes. It's an open conversation, right? I love that about worship. It's an open conversation. Yeah. And when you're with your friends, you look at the people you're worshiping with as your friends. Yeah. Then it's like you're going on a journey together. And I think a lot of people have lost that. I want to fast forward a little bit because your new CD is a kind of a departure from worship. And so it's, it goes into a place of like, you know, it's, it's ideas and it's right. thoughts and it's revelation. Right. And it's really powerful. It's a really, really good CD. How has this felt to transition somewhat out of just kind of vertical worship leading to all of a sudden singing, you know, love songs? Yeah. I think 
really practically what I would say first is that one of the things that's been, I think, a painful lesson, but I've had to learn it, is that, like, throughout my life, not just now, which made this album easier to make. With a, it was co confidently made. Mm. I think before, um, I kind of felt like, at least in the environments I was in until I came here, that I felt like a pioneer sometimes, like, you're doing something and you're doing something and it's the first time you've ever seen it. <laughs> so yeah. you're terrified. And you're like, I don't know what anybody's going to do with this. I don't know if they'll trust me anymore. I don't know if they'll think this is weird. I don't know if, it, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You're just trying to be obedient. And you're like, Geez. And so you step out and either it shakes something because you took the risk or it shakes something. <laughs> and it could go either way, you know, yeah. and then maybe a bit of both. So I think um, for me, the departure wasn't so weird now as it, as it would have been before. I kind of had to, you know, count um, that there would be people that didn't get it yeah. and understand that sometimes things, the nature of a revelation or even something that the Lord is speaking to you, us as leaders maybe sometimes, um, it's not always going to be understood first. Sometimes it's ahead of time or it's yeah. a, um, it's something that hits our spirits before our heads catch it and so I just kind of was like, well, this is the album I felt like I was supposed to make. I have no idea what will happen with it. Yeah. It may not be popular. It may not be, people may not even like it, but I feel like I'm supposed to make it. Well, we're so glad you did. Thank you. Oh, thank we you. are. We're so glad you did. Thank you. And I'm thinking like, I'm thinking of C.S. Lewis when he was writing things like the screw tape letters and yeah. you know, the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe and stuff. And then he's writing Christian books. And the church at times would be like, why don't you get back to your Christian teaching? But what is now alive is the Christian teaching is much smaller than Screwtape Letters, which is still one of the more popular books over history of a, a novelization of something spiritual. Yeah. And then I think of like we talked about today, Lauren Daigle, who all of a sudden was competing with Drake on the charts. Not just Christian charts, but competing with Drake on the charts. Yes. And it's the same kind of thing where you're writing songs, you wrote songs in this album that were poetry and love and revelation. And I, when you listen to Lauren Daigle, it's poetry and love and revelation. Yeah. And that's relevant to everybody. She's on the Ellen Show. She's on all these different places. And I think, I think society right now is hungry for something. And I think I love you because it feels like you just being you crosses over into a whole different genre, but it still carries the same weight of revelation, yeah. which is really cool. So I think maybe I'm saying a prophetic statement. I don't know. Yeah. Can I say one thing about that? Absolutely. What came to me when you were talking? One of the things that I'm so moved by, probably like six months ago, this is after the album came out and everything, but... The Lord said to me, Stephanie, I'm so much better at being found than you are at introducing me. Wow. Oh. And it's, it's changing, the, it's changing um, everything for me. Yeah. Um, it's super humbling to hear that. And it's also like the most encouraging, the pressure's all off kind of thing I could ever imagine. Like wow. to know that there are just some people, I have to trust that when I released when I release the song that God, that we're writing together, when I release that song, that I trust him, his ability to be found is so much better than my ability to try to write the most Christian song ever. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, there are piles and piles of Christian songs that are forgotten mm -hmm. because they're trying to write the next shout to the Lord or they're trying to write the next thing that's going to, and it's just, no one can sing the song of your life. There's only, I'm only put on the earth to be me. I cannot 
reproduce anything, yeah. like make disciples, not duplicates. Like we're living in a, this time, and I, I think, um, you know, we watch people, sometimes God hands them a mirror and he's like, here's your first encounter. Yeah. And, and sometimes in our, like, without, we're so Christian, we're so, and I say Christian in this way, I'm not talking, truly Christian. We, we in our Christianese and our language are trying our anxiety mm-hmm. to lead them to Jesus, to mm-hmm. be the one to lead them. In our own anxiety, in our leadership, we try to drag them into something instead of trusting the Lord to be found by them. Wow. And, and so I think, and they're searching for truth, and he's the way, and he's the truth, yeah. and he's the life. Yeah. And so I think sometimes he holds up a mirror, and we slap the mirror out of their hand, and we're like, no, but Jesus. And he's actually going, no, no, I held up that mirror. Yeah. Because they were made in my image, and if they'll look at themselves long enough, and they're looking for truth, I'm right here. Wow. I, they were made in my image, they'll find me. And then some people meet Jesus, and then they find themselves. But we can't, like, we can't, like anxiously hold on to those things. Yeah, Everyone's path it. up the mountain is yeah. going to be different. Anyways, sorry, tangent. No, I didn't I'm mean so to... glad for that tangent. Because we're talking about, yeah, isn't that good? We're talking about exploring the prophetic on this, this particular podcast. And I feel like uh, it's interesting the types of stories we've had told for the first season. And now we're in the second season. And what's coming up a lot is people who are mature, who are finding even a deeper sense of identity. And it feels like a lot of people who are leaders in different genres, whether it's the body of Christ or whether it's business or whether it's entertainment, are in a transition to see the greater things that they're called to happen because they're, they'd be stuck if they stayed where they're at. Right. And so I feel like part of exploring the prophetic is, is seeing the lives that are being lived out and actually watching transitions that are happening. And I know you hear from God. I know uh, uh, you guys are in somewhat of a transition. I don't know what transition you're in, if you're sharing it or not. We're but, going to Nashville. Uh, so you're moving to Nashville. We are. I and, got like 100 prophetic words about Nashville, and then the Lord sent me to Reading. Wow, yeah. <laughs> not, we're not even going to Nashville for what seems like the obvious reason. We're not going for the Christian famous or the country music. So. <laughs> Love if we it start all. singing, singing you sing all. country, <laughs> yeah. be a, I'm actually, that might be um, a departure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can you imagine? No. No. Well, I, I appreciate it. Uh, Ricky Skaggs and Ray Hughes were one time in a meeting I was doing. Hero. And um, Bill Johnson and I were doing a meeting, and, and I, said, uh, I said, I didn't know they were in the meeting. I had no idea they were in the back. And I said, you know uh, what happened? How country music happened? And they said no, and I said it happened at the fall when Satan fell out of heaven, and he said, "I lost my God, I lost my job," and country music was born. And they literally like were screaming, at me, "Get that boy saved! Get him out of here!" They were so mad. I hate country music. That's why I said that. But I love them. I love those two, and I love many other country musicians I met. Uh, sorry, I had to interject that. No, that's um, so you're moving. It. So what is the God story? Tell us a little bit of the God story. How do you get directed? You're in the midst of Bethel. You're in the midst of a right. blowing up Bethel music. I know you're still with Bethel music going there. Yes. But, but you're, you're in the midst of a blowing up. Something's happening here yeah. at the mothership. And you're like, I'm going to go to Nashville. Like, how did that happen? And what's, what, what's that story? Well, that happened, I mean, a lot of years in the making, you know. But um, so we had all those words. I tried to leave like eight years ago. Oh, and wow. sweet Jeremy Riddle, thank God, big brother, sat me down. He said, I just don't know about now. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> It's like, I, I just know that this word is over my life. And I was like, I don't, I don't know when. I just know he said, well, I think what you're building, the rapport you're building, and um, you're going to build here. And then you're going to go. I'm sorry, I'm smacking my gum. Like, I, told him, I told him it was going to happen at some point in the podcast. It's just going to have recorded <laughs> mouth sounds. Um, lots of saliva. Um, no, I, 
And so we're, we felt transition. Stephen and I, Stephen is my amazing husband. Stephen and Stephanie, names both mean the same thing. Pretty cool. That is awesome. But he, um, we started kind of sneaky getting the words separately again. Now, when I got married, I got really frustrated because the Lord told me he wasn't going to tell me what time it was anymore. I love to know the time and the season. I mean, I wanted, I'm always asking questions. But the Lord told me he wasn't going to tell me what time it was anymore, that he was going to tell Stephen. I didn't like that. <laughs> um, so it's been very humbling over the last seven years. But... Um, it happened again, you know, like the timing of it. And he, he nailed it, man. He, he called it. <laughs> he called it. And I love it. But um, we started getting these kind of sneaky feelings separately. And, I, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to say it yet. Because, you know, he always knows what time it is. And so I don't even want to bring it up, you know. Um, but I just got this sense in my, it started coming up again. Like wow. in everything. I mean, like somebody would walk up to me and I'd be thinking about it. And I'd get a text from my friend who got the same prophetic words with me at the same time in Nashville. And she's like, hey, you still thinking about coming to Nashville? And then somebody walks up to me with a Nashville hat. And then somebody else walks up to me and they're like, oh, my gosh, Nashville. It's those kind of things, you know. And you're like, okay, I hear you. And then I come home one night, you know, Stephen's on the computer looking at houses. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing over there? What are you doing over there? And he's like, looks at me with a smirk. And he's like, I'm looking at houses. I'm like, where are those? Wow. And he goes, Nashville. And I'm like, oh. So we ha- so it's kind of funny like yeah. that. We kind of play games. My husband and I play prophetic games to see who's going to get it. <laughs> so it's fun. But anyways, that, so it kind of came up again, and we, it's just it's been nonstop. I mean, it just keeps, wow. and we couldn't, we, it's not the kind of thing you could miss. Like I told the Lord, I'm like, I believe that the next great awakening is happening around tables and around fires, and it's mm-hmm. hearts alive, and it's happening in, you know, over food with juice or wine, whatever is um, working for you and and it's happening <laughs> in in those in those sort of you know God encounters yeah. and uh, anyways and so then when we come into these moments the greater gatherings are the greater gatherings because they they spill over and um, yeah. anyways so we had we just had tons of um, oh I forgot I was going to tell you one little story and it left me when I looked into that light <laughs> well anyways. tell me this was there anything as far as going to Nashville because you have a daughter yes who I love was there anything about her life in Nashville that you thought about when you were praying into it? Because I know for yes. us with Harper and Hartley, one of the things that my I kept getting prophetic words before I was married, and people because I know I'm I'm married to Los Angeles for however long I'm supposed to be yeah. there for a long term, and I it took me 20 years before I got there. I've been there for 12, and I'm just starting. So um, I, I remember my wife. She said, "We gotta look for a house. We gotta look for a house." I said, "Wherever we move is so important for our children." And then we moved to this house, and we're in Studio City, and, and this prophet from Dubai came over. And he's a young guy, but a true prophet. And he, got, he starts weeping, and he's the sweetest guy. And he goes, you're here not for you. You're here for your daughters. You think it's about you, but it's your daughters. They have to grow up around these people in these places with these programs yes. because of who they are. 100%. And your life is going to start to invest downwards so strongly. Yes. And I was just a, I was a puddle. I was just a puddle because yeah. of my... My five-year-old's like a tiny dictator or apostle. I'm not sure which one. It depends on how we raise her. It's a very fine line. It's a very fine line. Some days she, she might be a not good person, and then some days she's going to be the best. She was so loving and so cool. And then my, my three-year-old is like a creative, like the epitome of what you would see working at Starbucks without a father. We're going to father her well. Because our Starbucks, anybody you walk up to in Starbucks in L.A., you go, you have a creative calling, and they weep. They break down. I tell our prophetic team, you want low-hanging fruit, go prophesy a script over 
a barista, and every single one of them will cry. And they're in, and I just look at Hartley, and I'm thinking, you're that. You're that creative, crazy creative, but you have us. Like, we're going to be with you your whole life. Like, you're going to be formed, yes. you know? So I feel like, and just when you said Nashville, I just could just see Wonder and whoever else, if there's any more children come, yes. just their life. Like, what yes. needs to happen in them? Yes. I, I mean, it's such a big part of it for me. For lots of detail, I'm, um, I'm really, really passionate about, you know, health and natural everything. And um without any judgment about whatever, you know, you do, but it's, we're so passionate about it. And my, also my um, little girl for school, we're homeschooling for now, but you know, some of the best, like the best schools in the nation are in that area. Oh, wow. Nice. And, um, and this girl is like some sort of leader on steroids. Yeah. I mean, she is, but she's also full of wonder. She's one of the, I mean, she is her name. I mean, the Lord gave me her name. We, we did not have that name picked out. That was a full-on encounter. And so she is her name, and she's this crazy mixture of both, which is kind of like me and my husband, if you know us. It's like one minute we're like, and the next day we're like, ah. (laughs) It's like a really weird um, combination of both. But also, like, the legacy, my parents are over there, but her only living great-grandparents are right right in that area. And we just, I I feel it so strongly. And they're, they're pastors, they're musicians, they've been around for years. There's something special for her to be near to them and um and there's something special I mean we feel called to live in Nashville we feel called to LA as well so I feel very very called to these like performing hubs and to go in and um be absolutely without performance wow so there's um it's yeah and I, I just see that like growing in her giving her opportunity to um do some of those things as she feels drawn to them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's I, very I, much I had about to bring family. Because I think this crowd, but also the crowd that listens, there's mm-hmm. a lot of young people who have young families. Yes. And I think a lot of times when we're going after destiny, we don't think of our children or their children. Right. And, like, I, I didn't for so many years. And then you have them and you're like, you're a fully formed being in God's heart. Like, this is amazing. So I love that that's part of it, too, mm-hmm. that I could just feel your family going there for a direction. So, okay, I can't believe we're already at the end. This, this is terrible. But I do have one big question. What's the riskiest thing either in your life or this season that you heard from God and you actually acted on? That I haven't done yet? No, that you have done. That I have done. In the past. I've been asking every guest in season two this, and it's really wild to hear the diversity of, of what they think is risky. Because to yeah, me, like, they'll say something that's risky, and I'm like, I would never do that. <laughs> but then yeah. you might hear from God and do it, which is amazing. Right. Oh, man. Oh. It's like the most recent thing. Um. Just so you know, every guest gets stumped like this. But usually we can press pause, and you all aren't here. <laughs> but every guest goes, hmm, what is it? Because you're living a lifestyle of risk. I mean, even going to Nashville, the whole thing. But there's something, I'm sure, that's like, yeah. God, this is a hard one for me to say yes to or whatever. Yeah. Man. Really honestly, truly, for who I am and how I was raised, the things that I've had to overcome, um, which were mostly mental, like mostly thought processes that were just um, skewed, things that I thought um, 
were in the heart of God that actually had nothing to do with him. Wow. Um, I think my biggest challenge being my own inner critic. Yeah. Um, and being growing up as a yes girl. I think for me, um, moving outside of what seems the giant corporate church world mm-hmm. is probably the riskiest thing. Wow. Um, because you have a, you, it's a mixed bag of responses that you get from people. And then, and then just when you think, am I nuts to leave this? Am I nuts to leave this? Then the Lord's like, no, no. Because I'm not afraid to lose momentum. I'm afraid, I, I would be afraid to lose this connection. And if I don't go, this is what I, this is what I prostitute. So I'm, I'm not concerned about momentum. That, nobody gave it to me, and nobody can take it away. And if it's time to tuck in and nobody, fine, fine, oh, fine. <laughs> so I think, for, but I think that's the riskiest thing for me, loving everyone here so much, loving my leaders, loving the people that I have served. And I've been here 10 years, Wow. 10 years, and I did most of my growing up here. I got married here. Like I, well, I kind of like, I got, like I broke off an engagement or to, hey, and then I moved to Reading. <laughs> we don't have time for that. And, the, and, then, and then came to, you know, came to Reading, found my feet again, found a safe place to like, whew, you know, to heal, but also like to keep, it's like the cons, it's like we're made for um, unbroken circles, right? But we end up in cycles of brokenness when we don't like stay connected. So yeah. I think, um, Staying in that unbroken circle where there's always pouring in and always giving out. Um, so it seems like the craziest place and the craziest time to leave. But the Lord's like, no, no, this is, this is crucial. Yeah. And, you know, that we grew up in, in church. Maybe some of you relate to this if you grew up in church. That you, um, you know, you don't move until the Lord says go. And I've come to understand that it's just as crucial not to stay longer. Yeah. When you stay too long in a place, (laughs) another nasty thing happens. Oh, yeah. And so I'm just finally like, whew, all right, you're saying go, and we're not in a hurry. But it is time. And so we're, like, resting in that and um, leaning into it, and we'll stay connected. For me, that is the most recent, most risky move for me today. I love that. That's so descriptive. Thank you. Well, tell us how to. (laughs) That's not the first time I've heard that. Thank you. That was so descriptive. It is. No, it's good. Uh, Don't you love the language? It's positive. Let's say this. Your language is mentoring. Your language mentors people's thought process. And I think when you talked about the construct of uh, thoughts, and I'll just go, we don't have a lot of time to do this, but I just thought about how like um, the Matthew uh, 5.8 in the Passion Translation says, bless are you when you get your inside world right because then you'll see God on your outside world. And one of the things that Sheree, my wife, and I have really been focusing on for the last seven years is therapy, um, connecting to our identity, connecting to brave love, brave communication, those kinds of things. A lot of that comes from Brene Brown talk or neurotherapy and stuff. But so when you're talking about that, there's a place of, um, I think one of the riskiest things that I've heard, God, it's very similar. It's, it's, and I haven't communicated this on one of the podcasts yet, which is, um, being vulnerable in things, and I, I've I've been a super Christian kid, so like I've never been drunk, I've never I never had sex before Sharia, I never had anything, you know, like it's crazy, and but man, my inner life had a construct in it as as savage as somebody who came out of like a really hard 
lifestyle of unbelief, of like doubting the supernatural, of doubting God's goodness. I just was raised in a world. So to come out of that so purely, like over the last seven years, and feel like I love who I am inside now. I don't care if other people do, but I love who I am. And it's just one of those things where that is, to me, the riskiest thing that I've done in my entire life is to believe. Like there's an opportunity I have next year, and I, I was sitting there, my wife goes, how do you feel about that opportunity? And I go, I would have never wanted it my whole life, and now I really want it. And it's hard to say I really want it because it may not happen, but I'm going to be completely vulnerable to say, I hope it happens with all my heart. And she laughed, and she goes, you used to be so cool, and you just play it so level. But as these psychologists will tell you, that if you're not brave in your communication of the risk, you won't have full joy when it it does happen. And when you face disappointment, you won't heal fully if it doesn't happen. And so you have to go, you get sick. So it's like, it's those kinds of things. Like for me, my, my, my prophetic journey has actually been a journey of emotional and spiritual Same. and thought life so much of changing. That. So much work. And so I love that. So I really relate to you more than I've related to a lot of the people who've said what the risk is saying is, although I love them all, but my risk is saying really is inner life stuff. And so is Sharice, which is crazy. So thank you for being on. How do people get a hold of your materials? How do they get a hold of your music? I mean, of course, iTunes, but where else? Yeah, I'm. <laughs> don't know a whole lot about where to find me. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I mean, probably BethelMusic.com. Yes. Uh, <laughs> or I don't even know what the dot something. Uh, and then, you know, YouTube things or iTunes. Guys, I'm not, I don't do technology. I really should learn. <laughs> you should learn a little bit. I need you to. You do a good Instagram. I love your Instagram I do. account. <laughs> yeah. You see Wonder a lot. It's yeah, good. You know, you'll see it. And Steven, it's yeah. good. We'll see that. Okay, yeah. well, thank you so thank much. You for and me. get her new CD. It's amazing. And uh, yeah, we're just so glad you're on. Love you. Hey, this is Sean Bowles, and I'm going to talk to you real quickly about our Bowles Ministries partnership program. This podcast is made by Bowles Ministries, and it's done because of partners and people who are supporting our ministry, who are equipping us to be able to bring this kind of a show to you. If you're loving hearing these interviews where people are sharing vulnerably about their process, which I think is one of the most powerful things we can do is hear each other's process about revelation. If you're loving this, please Don't only subscribe, don't only review, don't only tell your friends, but partner with us. Be part of the journey. Be part of the sending power of Bulls Ministries to get this message across the world. You guys can be part of our team. All you have to do is go to bullsministries.com, click on giving or partnership, and when you go there, you're going to be part of an incredible partnership community. We're going to resource you. We actually have partnership director who calls all of our partners once a year. We have resources that we send you. There's your very own special partner page with messages and videos that only you can have, but we need you to partner with us if you love this show so that we can actually take it into a whole nother level with the rest of season two, but also go into season three and beyond.